0: It's not a party we will party hard fans, welcome to another great edition of That Sports Show. Not just any sports show, not this sports show, That Sports Show. I'm your host, Jeremy, The Impact York. This is here at Impact Media where we go through and talk soccer, aka football. We talk American football. We talk F1 and NASCAR cup racing. And of course, we talk rugby ATL, among other things, Welcome to the show. Tonight, before we get into all of those fun, amazing things, I want to tell you guys how you can be a part of this show. You can do so by emailing the show, 3endzone at gmail.com. That is the number three, E-N-D-Z-O-N-E at gmail.com. You can also search for us on Facebook, Impact Media, That Sports Show, Jeremy York, any of those probably should find us. If you are one of those people who like to, just click a link and listen to a show. You can go to our Twitter account, at Team Impact Media. Scroll the appropriate show, click on it, and listen as many times as you want. There is no cap. You can also follow me. On Twitter, Triller, TikTok, and Instagram, at TheImpact99. We do show-related things. We do uh, non-show-related things. Uh, we'll be at Top Golf tomorrow night. So I don't know if I'll be posting tomorrow night, but sometime this weekend I'll post some some photos, maybe some videos, some fun stuff we uh, try to do out that way. Should be a good time. If you happen to be at the Top Golf Alpharetta, ask for me or come find me. We'd love to chat with you guys for a minute. It will be, even though I will be at a, a private event, it is open enough, should not be a problem. Open enough to where uh, I, I easily have a couple minutes to come say hello. We've done that at other events. Would love to meet you guys. Um, don't. Not sure the exact time, but tomorrow night. Late evening into early night. Um, let's see, what am I missing? What am I missing? Oh, and you can find us anywhere you find the podcast, including Spotify, the iTunes Store, and Podcast One. As I said, we have a lot to get into, so without further ado, let's get into it. Let's start with the world of the NFL, and there's a couple big stories going on. Uh, Let's start with the most obvious that dropped just a couple hours ago. I'll be honest, I was getting a haircut, and the TV and my phone exploded. With all kinds of stuff. Just uh, incredible. I would tell you where I get my haircut, but uh, they do not sponsor the show yet. Maybe somewhere down the road. Not right now. But anyway, these Chicago Bears have traded out of the number one pick. If you're a Texans fan, uh uh-oh. Because... When the Bears had number one pick, they probably weren't going to take a quarterback. You were going to have your choice of quarterbacks. Instead, now you're going to have to get possibly the second one. Because they traded the number one pick to the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers have also already made it known that they could trade down from that spot. I doubt it. When you give up a load of of things like they did, you don't trade down. They're saying that so that people don't think they're locked in, but they, they're locked in. Because if they don't, if they're not locked in, uh, then this whole thing was very, very dumb on their part. And I don't think the Panthers are dumb. But here is what the Bears get from the Panthers. They get the number nine pick this year. They go from one to nine, the first round. They get the... Uh, number 61 pick, which is, was that, second or third rounder? Number 61 pick this year as well. They get a first round pick next year. They get a second round pick in 2025. And they get wide receiver D.J. Moore. Yep. Something tells me they're probably not going to get a quarterback or the one they like is going to fall in the draft. Although you already know what you got in fields. And you just gave fields another weapon. I, that's what I would go with. So what prompted the Bears to do this? Well, like I said, I don't think they're targeting a quarterback in this year's draft. I just don't. Uh, I think they're going to roll with Justin Fields. I think he's still got another year or two of control with him before you have to pay him. Uh, You will know by far what he's worth at that point. In fact, if if I was Ryan Poles, I think I would try to maybe get in a little early. Maybe. But they load up. They get basically two first-round picks. That is a second-round pick. Two second-round picks and a number one wide receiver. You could argue they have Chase Claypool. He's a two. But now you have two really good receivers. You got some other good pieces, and you have four picks in the first sixty-one picks. Basically, two two really good first-round picks and two really good second-round picks in the next two years. Just that's that's incredible. And before everybody says, "Oh, the Panthers got fleeced," they gave up a, a prime player and four picks. No. Consider this. Two years ago, they tried everything they could to get Matthew Stafford. They wanted a quarterback so bad, they knew they needed to upgrade. Because remember, a couple years ago, they had... Uh, they have Darnold at that point? You may have had Darnold. But they realize Darnold's probably not it. I'll go ahead and help him out. He's not it, not for them. He could be for somebody else. He's not for them. Uh, so they get Baker Mayfield, and they have P.J. Walker from the XFL. Um, all basically, they have three backup quarterbacks is what I what I see. Darnold can still play in this league a little bit. Baker can win you a couple games. He shouldn't be your number one starter. P.J. Walker. Yeah, he's your relief pitcher, by far. But in between that, they were also in the Deshaun Watson contest. And remember, it came down to, uh, I think he really wanted to be a Falcon. He told Cleveland, you're not it. And I think the Saints were out of the running, too, at that point. It was like Atlanta and Carolina. And then Cleveland upped their offer to a, a ridiculous amount that uh, is going to cripple them for years to come, especially when he doesn't play up to par like he's doing now. So they missed out on both big quarterbacks that were on the move. They can't seem to get a big quarterback to want to come play for them, especially when he has other offers on the table. So what better way than to draft one? Because you now get your pick. You can pick whoever you want. Maybe they meet all of these quarterbacks and they find out, I don't know if any of them are really the fit we want. Well, then like they said, they can trade out of that pick. They can actually trade back. Uh, won't be Atlanta, but there's other people that will want to move up. Maybe it's even the Texans. Maybe the Texans want to move out of two to number one just to make sure nobody can jump them again. So they actually have a lot of good opportunities here. The Panthers do. And the Bears do, too. We talked about the Bears, so. And also this occurred to me while I was getting said haircut. I'm surprised I remembered it. I couldn't write it down. Um, you know what prompted this move? It wasn't. There's a lot of factors. Like I said, it was the fact that they missed out on Matt Stafford. They missed out on Deshaun Watson. They know that none of the three quarterbacks they have are their number one prime starters, and they want to win now. So the other factor that prompted this was when the Saints signed Derek Carr. Because as soon as Derek Carr signed, he became the number one quarterback in the South, in the NFC South. Because we haven't seen enough of Ritter to know what he could be. He, he might be better than Derek Carr. We don't know yet because he's just, I mean, infancy stage here. Um, Kyle Trask is definitely not better than Derek Carr, and that's probably what Tampa is going to try it out this year. And I just uh, – in fact, I don't know that – let's see. I think – yeah, I really don't know who their quarterback – who their, their quarterback would have been. I don't think P.J. Walker or Sam Darnold are on the roster. And we know Baker Mayfield probably, is with the. if he's not with the Rams, he's potentially going to re-sign there. So what a move by them to go, well, we missed out on Derek Carr. That was the third one they missed out on. We missed out on Matt Stafford, missed out on Deshaun Watson. But one of these guys in the draft may be our guy, and if they're not, then we move back. And when you move back, maybe you pick up somebody from another team, somebody who wants to move on from their quarterback. And before we automatically jump to that conclusion, I don't think that's the Packers. Um, although I think they've made it blatantly obvious that uh, Aaron Rodgers' days were numbered as a Packer. But I want a bit more to let more develop before we get into that. But there could be a team out there. I would have said the Raiders up until Derek Carr is is already signed now. But there's going to be a team out there that has a quarterback that would definitely work in Carolina or potentially work really well that a team wants to move on from and potentially upgrade by getting younger. One comes to mind out of nowhere, the Minnesota Vikings. What if this is the way to move on from Kirk Cousins? You ship Kirk Cousins to Carolina, along with some other picks here and there. Carolina gets Kirk Cousins to... uh, To to me, they probably want a younger quarterback because it seems like they're, they're clear of the deck a little bit. But they get Kirk Cousins. Minnesota gets a chance to draft the young replacement. But it's got to be somebody ready to go. But you're drafting number one, so you get your chance. Um, there could be other teams out there. That's, that's one that really comes to mind. Um, I would have said completely outside, out of left field choice, maybe the Dallas Cowboys because they supposedly do like um, a couple of the quarterbacks in this draft. But they just restructured Dak's deal. They're not going to move on from him this year. Because in restructuring, it means they're pushing some of that cap number down the road. But there's going to be a team out there. We know there's a team out there. That's going to make a run at it. Maybe they get it. Maybe they don't. But interesting trade. Very interesting. I think both sides got better. I think they... Both have better potential to be better football teams this year than they were last year. And we'll just have to stay tuned to see exactly how this plays out. We're still, the draft's in April, still a couple weeks out, four weeks out, something like that. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch this. I think the draft is is going to have a lot of chaos this year, and uh, at least the first round is going to be a must-watch. Uh, Other little tidbit, Lamar Jackson was franchise tagged, and they made it to where uh, he can basically negotiate with other teams. And as soon as the other team makes a basically make an offer sheet, the team can match it. And uh, I believe... I believe they could match it and if they just, if the Ravens decide not to match it, the other team would give them two first round picks. I know a lot of you guys want him here in Atlanta. I don't think that Lamar Jackson makes a lot of sense here. And and we've went over that before. Uh, I just I just don't. I, just, I think Personality-wise, that he is probably personality-wise, he's I, I, I just don't think he fits in the culture that they are building here. I'm not saying he has a bad personality. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying I don't see him as a fit. But I wish the best to him. Uh, man, that's good. Good. That's a good trade. I like that trade. I really like that trade. Um, let's go to, let's go to Atlanta United. Atlanta United recently hosted Toronto FC in the dome, in the dome, I guess the, the Mercedes-Benz. I still call it the dome. I know the dome was the one uh, before it, but they... They play okay. They give up the—I'm not gonna say early goals. Early second half goal. That uh, about the 52nd minute, something like that. I think it's 52nd minute. We pull that up. There it is. Yep, there we go, 52nd minute when Federico Bernardeschi put one in the back of the net. A lot of people try to say that uh, Guzan was uh, a little slow to the ball, slow reacting, um, that uh, maybe he's not quite back from his injury. i say if you see the replay, it looks like it uh, bounces uh it looks like he was double shielded by two defenders that uh, it bounced in between their, their feet. And I think he just, he didn't see it. I I don't, you know, I I don't know that most goalies make that safe. I'm going to defend him in that one. I don't think that had to do with an Achilles injury. I don't think it had to do with uh, uh, his age or experience or anything like that. I just think it was probably a good shot from Federico. Uh, Not to be outdone though, uh, Mateus Rosetto. Eight minutes later, puts one in the back of the net, and that ends up being your equalizer. Now, he picked up a little bit of a knock. He is not going to play in this weekend's game that we will talk about in a minute in Charlotte. uh, He's being held out. I believe it was a a hamstring, something like that. But it had to be an interesting game there because you play an entire half, then you get into the second half and seven minutes in, Toronto scores. And then eight minutes later, Atlanta equalizes. And then for 30-plus minutes, nothing. No scoring, at least. It was a lot of action. Uh, A couple yellow cards here and there. Those those are going to happen. But uh, four minutes of stoppage time was not enough. This thing ends in a draw. which, hey, as of right now, Atlanta would, I believe, have a home game in the, uh, the new playoff format. They are currently in fourth place in the Eastern Conference with four points. They're actually tied with Nashville, but Nashville has a better goal differential. And they're only two points behind Miami and New England. It's not bad. It's not bad at all. I think the team played well. I think, you know, was it gangbusters? Was it the, the old heyday United, no. But I think overall, things are coming together. I think, um, for one, as fans, sometimes we're a little too critical. When somebody may have had a good day or a really good day, if it wasn't great, sometimes we're quick to uh, jump on them and say, no, that was a bad day. Oh, he had a bad day. Oh, why is he still in it?" It, it? Hold on. People had good days. This this lineup as it plays more together. I mean, uh, when Gigi, as a lot of people like to refer him to or refer to him as uh, what? Gi is, is that am I saying that correctly? Yorgos Giomakis. When he you know he played a, a good handful of minutes in this one. Um, at some point, at some point he is is going to start because you don't make all the hoopla to bring him over and pay him the money you do for him not to. But he's getting his fitness up because that green card and his official papers really held him back. Really held him back. But like I said, I I like to play. Uh, I like the the middle defender pairing of Juan Perato, who is one of my favorites, and Miles Robinson, who is, I think, a world favorite. Uh, Gutman and Lennon on the sides, I think, makes a ton, ton of sense. Like I said Roseto won't be playing this week. Um, who came in for him? Uh, Sadik. Yeah, Sadik could. That, that could make sense, too. Ibarra and Sadik in the middle would make a lot of sense. Uh, Caleb Wiley could be good. um, If I think if if he's going to play again, because Etienne Jr. come in and then he got a yellow card. So, you know, may have to, may have to watch that, Uh, but whether it's Wiley or Etienne, I don't have a problem there. Or on the other side? Uh, And then Almada, in the middle of them and what they started with Barry and then uh uh Giamakis come in later on. I don't I don't have a problem with that lineup that's that's a lineup that is gonna win a ton of games and probably be I think we're looking a three seed and at worst a six I think it's somewhere in the 3-4 range, maybe 4-5 range, right in the middle of that, is what we're looking at right now, just the way they're playing. I think it is, as the edges get rounded out a little bit, I think that is that is something that uh, will benefit us. I say us, like I play for the team. It will benefit the team. And... You're about to go through a part of the schedule where you should be able to pick up some good moments and some good solid points. And that includes a lot of wins. I just I, I feel that this team is is right there. I think they're in a good spot. They are learning. Or they're putting the Paneta strategy into place because now they have the players for it. See, when he took over, he had a lot of players that didn't fit his system and he adjusted his system to try to incorporate them in soccer or american or american soccer i guess otherwise known as football you can't just completely do a house cleaning on a roster it's really really hard to do and most people you do you just wouldn't completely uh fold up move down the street and and open up a new shop that's just that's not something you do So a couple people got moved here and there. A couple got uh, transferred in and out. We saw some of the changes, and now this is the team that we are looking at. And uh, I think we're probably still a couple more moves from what the final roster is going to look like later on in the season. But for now, I'm good with this lineup, and I think a lot of you guys are as well. When I talk to you guys about it, most of the time you'll, you'll have one picky comment about a player here or there or a performance here or there. There's not really anybody you guys are trying to run out of town, you know, here recently. So I I think that's a good sign. They do have the game this Saturday. It'll be tomorrow at noon. I heard it's actually going to be more of a, like, uh, 12-25 kickoff. Probably going to be a lot of Anton Walks tributes with these are the two teams, his main teams he played with. Uh, Very fitting if they do. I think it would be spectacular. I'm sure they have something planned. Uh, And that information came straight from uh, Doug Robertson of the AJC. If you're not listening to Southern Fine Soccer, by the way, he is, I think he's one of the few, if not only, distinct beat writers for an MLS team. He travels to the games, not with the team, on his own. Uh, and he just does spectacular coverage for the AJC. Uh, Southern Fried Soccer is a fantastic podcast he does. And um, uh, there's a lot of other people you can listen to, too, that are great. But uh, the information about the kickoff being like 12-20, 1220, something like that. The game's also going to be on Fox. I think it's on Fox. Is Fox the channel? Producer Sassy's telling me that it is more than likely Fox. Is it? It is Fox, yes, it is going to be on Fox. Okay. So, yeah, there you go. And. you know i' I'm okay with where this team's at that's I guess that's the the moral of the story. that's the summary of of uh the last couple of minutes. Uh, I said Doug's got a lot of great information with a lot of other people with a lot of really good information if you want to listen to them uh, yeah, I get my own information, but I also get information from those from a lot of those uh amazing people. Make sure you give them a follow and a listen as well and that brings up as I said noon tomorrow. It's on Fox. Going to go up to Charlotte. Atlanta versus Charlotte. It's not a rivalry. Not yet. They got to play enough times for one. And games need to mean more. Uh, if you had to pick an Atlanta rival, it's one of the New York teams. It's either Red Bull or NY, NYCFC. Because when games have mattered whether they be regular season or playoffs, those are the teams that seem to be the thorns in the sides of Atlanta United, and we've been a thorn to them as well. That would be the team I would look more for as a rivalry at the moment now if you want to say uh, all in the South thing now that Nashville is uh over in the east, you got Charlotte, you got miami you know you you got those teams. Yeah, it'd be fun to have a little Southern rivalry thing there, but right now it's not a rivalry. you played a couple times. Um, The good thing is you're catching Charlotte at a time when they're still trying to put some pieces together. Now, Enzo Capetti has knocked in a goal. He is a pretty good player, but, you know, Almada's got two. Waseto's got one. I feel like the scoring is going to be up in this game. It could be 3-1, 3-2. I think Atlanta does end up with the win in this one. Uh, like I said, they're, you know, they've played before. And Charlotte won one to nothing, one to nil. And Atlanta won the other one two to one. So, you know, it's going to be three two, three, one, something like that. Um, I feel like there's a lot, just Atlanta is creating so many more chances after the first game where they did so many shots outside the box and Panetta got after them about not not doing so many outside the box, doing more in the box. They definitely listened and definitely did that. So I feel like uh, Bank of America Stadium is going to be popping, yeah, It's going to be hopping. I know there are a ton of United fans headed up there and uh, it should be. It should be really fun. Now, here's what I meant about the schedule, by the way. They got Charlotte this week. Next week, they got Portland. Portland letting the Bubacy go. You get a great young, talented scorer. And you say, I think we're good. We're, we're just as good without him. Maybe better. Right. I don't necessarily agree with that. But we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, and then the following week to to round out the month of March is when – uh is when you're going to get uh, Columbus. And, you know, if, if I'm going to have to face Portland, I'm going to have to face Columbus. I very much would like to do so early in the season before those teams get get uh, the wheels moving because they can be some, uh, some pretty good express trains flying down the tracks. So uh, I definitely like uh, being able to play them early. But uh, I feel good about United. I hope you guys feel good about United. Let's let's go ahead and go to a break where we will tell you about our friends at BetOnline.net. And when we get back, we will talk some F1. We will talk some NASCAR Cup Series. And we will be talking rugby ATL. We'll be back right after this. Hey, this is Jeremy the Impact Dork from the Impact Media family of podcasts. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Sports show, not any sports show, not this sports show, that sports show. Make sure to visit our friends at betonline.net. They've got the articles. They've got the podcast. They've got the betting and wagering lines. If it is legal to do so where you're at and you choose to do so, uh, tell them Impact Media sent you. And they love to hear that. And we love to hear from them that you told them that. Start off the show, we talked about uh, the big trade in the NFL where the Bears traded the number one pick to the Panthers for a bunch of picks and wide well, with DJ Moore and broke down all the parameters of that. Talked a little Lamar Jackson and uh, also concluded the front part of the show with some Atlanta United talk. Now, let's get into some rugby ATL. They faced their rival. The, these guys are rivals. They have played for the last couple of years. Every game is tough, it is gritty. It uh, is very back and forth, and uh, this game was no different. Uh, of course, after the game, as part of Chris Wyatt's uh, post-game productions, uh, you know, he calls a lot of games for uh, various news outlets and things like that on YouTube and the Internet. Well, he called this game, and right after we did a on-field post-game show, where we welcomed on Johan Momsen, the co-captain of Rugby ATL, and also uh, the USA Eagle and standout star for Rugby ATL, Jason Dahm. Um, I don't know if those interviews got posted from our side, so uh, as soon as this, this is over, uh, we will we will make sure those are posted up and you guys can find them. Uh, you know, we had Jason on a couple weeks ago on our on-video things. Uh, he's fantastic, and Johan is is always uh, just one of the best people to talk to. Uh, and then also, afterwards, I got a chance to talk to returning co-captain Matt Eaton, who, uh, after his ACL surgery over in the offseason, was able to come back. That was his first game back. He had an incredible day. And also to the rookie... Hooker, the number two, got to talk to Ben Strang. Uh, He was fantastic. Uh, It has been fun uh, listening and hearing from a lot of his friends who enjoyed the interview and uh, uh, have reached out to me, and I appreciate that. Uh, We will uh, try to have him on at some point later on the show, but you can find those um, at The Impact 99 at at any of our social medias. You can can find those. Uh, But to this game with Nola Gold. It seemed to me, and I asked the players afterwards, and they said as, as much. These two teams have polar opposite ways they play. Nola Gold likes to keep everything at a distance. They like to be reactive. They like to force you to make moves so they can capitalize on them. They uh, were taking a lot of long-distance kicks for points. They were uh, kicking, trying to pin Atlanta back in their in their defensive zone. They uh, – I'm going to go ahead and use that word again. They were a little soft at the first points of contact on the line. Uh, Rugby ATL was able to uh, – they weren't stopped very often on the initial hit. It usually took a second or third hit. And uh, they wanted uh, – NOLA Gold wanted to keep everything in the middle. They want to force the action to the middle of the field. That's where the, the real heart of their, uh, of their team is. While Atlanta, Rugby ATL, they like to do the opposite. They like to push things out to the wings and use their speed and athleticism. Uh, they get, both teams have talent everywhere. But Rugby ATL also wants to bring the action to you. They want to be proactive and not reactive. They're not going to force you to make moves and then capitalize on them. They're going to make their own moves, and as you react... Then they're going to force you into the situations that they want you in. And uh, this game played out that way. Nola Gold kept their distance and was able to hang around in the game. Ultimately, though, Rugby ATL pulled ahead in the end, your final score, 29-16. to 16. Johan Momsen got his first try of the season. I think he may have another one by now, but he got the first try of the game. Uh, Jason Dom had one right before halftime. Austin White got his second of the year early on in the second half. Uh, Kirk Coleman, of course, put a uh, just a hammer of a kick into uh, in between the uprights, and then uh, T. Watokia, who we were gonna have on the show, we ran late on time. We we're gonna have a video for him uh, next time, and T. knows that we, we've already we've had that conversation. We're gonna have T. Watokia on. Uh, uh he our schedules were not quite lining up after the game, but we will we will get him on soon. I know that's one that you guys have uh, requested. We are working on that. And I will I will take the blame on that that uh, the other interviews ran a little late. It happens, but he had the other one and of course you get the bonus point in the standings for uh, getting the four tries. So as we look at our current standings, in the East, you've got New York, who is the defending champions, by the way. They have 10 points, as they have uh, two wins and a loss. They won the first two losses this past weekend. Rugby ATL is 2-1. and one. They won the first one, lost the second one. Up in Seattle, a close one, won the third one. And uh, then New England and Old Glory D.C., have five points, Toronto Arrows have one, and Nola Gold has yet to put a uh, point on the board as far as win points. And once again, there's a lot of things to it. You can get a bonus point for scoring four or more tries in a, in a rugby game. You can also get one for losing by less than 10, which definitely helps. Uh, there's a couple other ways. There's, there's all kinds of ways that uh, you can uh, get points here and there. You can you can look all this up. But, uh, you know, while we're at it, I will, we'll stay on that. But overall, I thought it was a more complete game. I thought guys were they're getting a lot more used to each other. They are playing together a lot better. Um... No real big injuries. Uh, John Roy Jenkinson got uh, a little dinged up with his calf. I talked to him post-game. He said it was already feeling better. um, And uh, that he thought it was going to be okay. Uh, If he said otherwise, I would not have even brought it up. Uh, I feel pretty good that that, uh, he's going to be okay. But the good thing is, is they get a bye week this week. They do not have a game, so he can rest that injury, rehab that injury, he'll be fine, and the boys can uh, focus their efforts on their next game, which happens to be at home, next Saturday, versus the San Diego Diego Legion. And I'm already trying to put some fun things together with that. I am going to get some of the opposing players on here soon. I know you guys request some of those too, because not all of you guys that listen are rugby ATL fans. Maybe you're a Nola Gold fan. Maybe you're a New York fan or or San Diego or whoever. I am working at getting some fun special guests for those videos and maybe a couple to be on this show. But uh, for now, Atlanta's in second. I mean, in first place, they, I think, lose to tiebreaker just barely. That's why they're technically in second. But uh, other than that, Everything's going pretty good. They've got a spectacular staff. I enjoy working with them all the time. And um, you guys should come out and see a game. Definitely come out and see a game. Let's go to the world of NASCAR. And we're going to talk the NASCAR Cup Series. And let's start last week or last weekend, they were in Las Vegas, in Viva Las Vegas, the home of Kyle Busch, one of my favorites, and a lot of other great racers. But let's talk about that Las Vegas race. Uh, Joey Logano had the poll. I heard even Denny Hamlin say that uh, he said, oh, Joey's got the, he's got the, mean, he just gets this crazy speed going during, Uh, practice and during the qualifying and he just he found that other gear and was able to take the pole he said he thought uh ryan priest was another Ford that was uh doing pretty good and that uh priest may have actually had the better car but uh they unfortunately did not uh finish high enough in it But this this was another wide track. You could get up to three or four wide in a lot of places, and they regularly did. William Byron was in the lead early on, from about lap thirty-one on. There was no caution in stage one. It was uh, pretty pretty amazing, really, that that you didn't see a um, uh, a caution. Uh, Kyle Busch got a little squirrely and tapped the wall, but there was no caution there either. On lap 37, there was green flag stops as they started as they were getting closer to the end of level of uh, stage one. Ultimately, your winner was William Byron with Kyle Larson, his teammate, Ross Chastain, Christopher Bell, and Denny Hamlin to round out your top five. Those gender boys were fast. I only wonder what would have happened if Chase... Elliott would have been in the race, but we will talk about him in a minute. Stage two started out with William Byron, Kyle Larson, and Denny Hamlin as your one, two, three. Green flags, uh, once again, not much of a caution. Green flag start, uh, green flag stops started about with 40 to go in the stage. Ultimately your winner, William Byron, Kyle Larson second. Uh, Bowman was third, their other teammate. Martin Truex Jr. was fourth, and Christopher Bell fifth. So, you went Chevy, 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 Toyota, Toyota. Ford was not having the greatest day. They didn't have a bad day, just Chevy had all the speed, Toyota had a really good package going, and, and the car package was really helping them out. On top of, they have, they're have all tremendous drivers. Um, stage three. On lap 183 of the 267 they were running, Joey Logano gets into the wall. They were three wide, and uh, he ended up getting tagged into the wall. With 47 to go, they started doing the green flag pits. With four to go, Amarola goes into the wall. It causes a caution. As they restart, it is Byron Lawson-Hamlin off pit road. Uh, Truex stayed out. He said, you know what, I'm just going to try to win the... The uh, the two-lap restart here. And he was the only one who stayed out. And he held him off for a lap. And after that first lap, as soon as they took the white flag, Martin Turex could have started waving the white flag. It was over for him. Everybody was uh, finding ways around him. In fact, he ended up in seventh, which I thought was a good way to turn around. He led three laps. But in the end, it was William Byron, who is your winner, His teammate Kyle Larson was second. Alex Bowman, their teammate, was third. Bubba Wallace at fourth. What an incredible race for him. He snuck right up in there. Christopher Bell as well. I know I said his name a couple times, but Bubba and Bell were having exceptional days and were able to sneak into the top five and had fantastic overall races. Um, Like I said, good race. Pretty straightforward. Only, I think there was one or two cautions that didn't have to do with the stages. That you know that were stage. There was two stage breaks, and then I think there was two cautions or one caution, and uh, just uh, one of those straight up races. You know. Um, Now let's get to Chase Elliott real quick. What happened to Chase Elliott? Why was Chase Elliott not in? Why was What was his name? Josh. I forgot Josh's name. Josh. He didn't have a bad day. Josh Berry. Why was Josh Berry in the number nine car? Well, because Chase Elliott had a snowboarding accident. I don't know if it's because he was doing something. Somebody could have ran into him. He could have ran into other people. Uh, But he fractured his tibia. I believe don't know how long he's going to be out could be two weeks could be three weeks could be five weeks could be mostly we don't know I think he had a three-hour surgery to fix everything my guess is within a couple of weeks we see him in a car he's probably back racing within a month. that's that's not a doctor me saying that but uh, good for Josh Berry who is going to run a lot of the races. They named somebody else. I didn't see who it was, but they named somebody else that is going to run uh, some of the other courses. Most of the Speedways, I believe, are going to be Josh Berry, who clearly is going to be one of the next guys up from the Xfinity series. Um, my guess is when they let Kyle Larson go. Just just a speculation on my, on my part. I, I think, just throwing this out here, I think Kyle Larson... Either this year or next year will be his last at Hendrick. I think either Stuart Haas or um if it's not Stuart Haas You know, maybe Childers at that point, depending on what Kyle Bush does. I think he, he goes he goes to another I don't think he goes to another big team, which nobody's as big as Hendrick. But, uh, and then Josh Berry will, will be called up and be in a cup car. This, I mean, he had never really been in, in one of these cup cars until now. The Xfinity cars are the old school style. The old style that they used to have before they made these new super smart, goofy configuration cars. But, uh, either way, good for Josh Berry. Wish the best for Chase Elliott. You know, uh, I initially... Uh, Jumped on the idea that uh, he shouldn't have been snowboarding and, and, you know, potentially doing something that could cause him to not be in a race car. But clearly he does it a lot or he wouldn't have been doing it. And he's actually a careful guy off the track. And other than that, you know, we don't know that somebody else didn't cause uh, the damage to him. We don't you know. Things happen on a slope. You can go sliding. People can't stop. Um, maybe he tried to get out of the way of somebody, and that's how he did. I mean, all kinds of stuff could happen. But that is what it is. Uh, congratulations to William Byron and uh, Team Hendrick. They went one, two, three This week, they are in Phoenix at the Phoenix International Raceway. Your previous winner defending champ is Chase Briscoe. I would be willing to bet that uh he probably does not win this one. This is a one mile oval track. It is uh means probably not a lot of passing a lot of tight maneuvering you're gonna the way you're gonna pass people are a lot of times gonna be in the pits um There is some room to pass, but not much at a track like this. I mean it's not a super speedway so a lot of different things could happen. I'm going to go on a limb and say that either Christopher Bell or Ross Chastain win this weekend because I think they're going to qualify well and after they qualify well, I think they're going to ride at the top for for a majority of the race and they're going to get their opportunity to take the lead and they're just they're not going to give it up. But it could really be anybody. These little short tracks, like I said, there's not a lot of passing usually. Uh, You have to do it in the pits is where you make up positions. And you just try to keep yourself off the wall. Uh, But that is going to be Sunday at 3.30 on Fox. I look forward to it. I know you will look forward to it. It should be a really, really fun race. Uh, Let's finish up with some formula. One And my goodness, if they're going to start off, they started off at a magnificently beautiful place. They were in Bayron. Uh, fun race. It was, it, it was a lot like the NASCAR Cup race in that there wasn't a lot of super crazy action. There wasn't a lot of knocking together. But out of the gate, a couple of them got into each other. And uh, we'll, we'll get a little more in, into uh, the rest of the race here in a minute. Uh, like I said, a couple... Uh, kind of banged together in lap number one. There was a yellow caution on lap number two. And then after that, uh, people started to separate from each other. On lap 14, Alonso and Russell had a great battle that Alonso was able to get the best of. This become a recurring theme, by the way. I don't know what rocket was strapped to the back of that car, but he was out driving the field, and that includes Max. He just didn't have the speed to catch Max. Uh, lap 39, Alonzo decides he's going to take on Lewis Hamilton. He's going to take on Russell's, George Russell's teammate, and he gets the best of him as well. So about halfway into the race, Alonzo is flying. Like I said, he just he didn't have the overall setup and speed to keep up with Max, who ended up running away with this late. But uh, lap 41, Charles Leclerc, stop me when you heard this before. He didn't do it. The car's engine blew, and it completely blew. All of a sudden, he comes, he kind of comes up over a hill, and he's about to hit a straightaway, and it's like you just cut the car off. You could just hear it, just no power, nothing. That thing just dies right there in the middle of the track. Just, your heart goes out to Charles there. Charles kept apologizing. They kept saying, it's not you, buddy. It's not you. It's not you. Uh, We'll get the virtual safety car for that because we had to get him off the track. Um, Ferrari, once again, has a chance to win a big race. It has two incredible drivers with uh, Carlos Sainz and, and, uh, and Charles Leclerc. And... Their equipment fails them. Um, I I jokingly said, even though maybe there's some truth to it, does the F in the Ferrari logo stand for Ford? Because they they had some technical issues, and they have got to iron those out. They cannot repeat a year like they did last year when they should have gave Max and Red Bull a lot bigger run and just didn't. Max and Checo Perez were able to start running away with everything about midway through because Ferrari and Mercedes just could not put it together enough to make it work. Um, the fastest lap ended up being, uh, Zao. I'm saying that right. It could be zoo, but, uh, at one minute, 33.996 seconds. And it, uh, it was lap 56. I believe he did that. Your winner ends up being Max Verstappen. You get Checo Perez in second, and Alonso Alonso ends up in third. What a incredible, incredible day! Fernando Alonso uh, might be Checo Perez is usually the people's champion. Uh, Fernando Alonso may just be the people's champion this year. He is putting Aston Martin back towards the top. Aston Martin is a team that is definitely on the rise and definitely could do some just super stacked things. Uh, some other good performances as well, by the way. Uh, Carlos Sainz Jr. in the Ferrari. He ends up in fourth, which is nice. It's it's one off the podium, but given that LeClaire uh, Leclerc had the engine failure, at least Ferrari got on the board. With some points, the top ten get points in um, in F one. That's how that works. There's 20 racers, two from each team. There's 10 teams, and it's the same racers practically every time. So it's uh, it's a lot easier to follow along. Uh, Got to give credit where credit's due here. That Alexander Albon for Williams gets Williams on the board early. He gets a 10th place finish. They get a they get a big point. It's like this. For Williams, who is one of the lower-tier teams, if they can get any kind of points, that's like winning a race. And so Williams had a monster win. Um, Also, Lance Stroll, who, if I'm not mistaken, had surgeries not long ago. They weren't sure if he'd be able to get in the – if they'd be able to play – able to, pay, uh, to to be in the car to start the year. And he was not only in it, but he ends up with, uh, with a sixth-place finish. So your Aston Martin drivers, Fernando Alonso, he gets a podium with third. And three spots down, in between Lewis Hamilton and George Russell, the Mercedes guys, was Lance Stroll. A lot of people give Stroll crap because a lot of the way that he initially got into F1 and got the seat he did was his dad, uh, helps with the finances and things like that of uh, the Aston Martin team and some other things. And he's helped line up some sponsorships and other things. He's been a good kind of unofficial official agent for, for Lance. So, but a lot of people give him crap. Oh, spoiled rich kid. Uh, he does not deserve to be here. Doesn't have the skills, all this. Well, uh, he got sixth on his own. This wasn't because of a major crash. This wasn't because four other people blew up engines. We only had one of those. There wasn't a lot of, of crazy, stuff like that in action, so uh, good for Lance and good for Fernando Alonso Aston Martin, bang you gotta think Red Bull went 1-2 Aston Martin went 3-6 5-7 for Mercedes uh I said Williams, Alpine, Alfa Romero and Ferrari all had people in the top 10 great race just a uh just an outstanding, great race. That was the Gulf Air Bahrain Grand Prix. Now, the fun thing about F1 is they don't necessarily race every week. And it will be two weeks before the STC Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. That is March 19th. That will be a week from this Sunday. And I believe that race is, yep, on ESPN at 1 o'clock on that Sunday. It is a a Jetta street circuit that is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the street circuits are a little different from some of the other ones. We will break that down and tell more about that next week. But that's going to do it for us this week. Shout out to all you amazing people that allow us to come on each and every week and talk uh, rugby and NASCAR and F one and NFL and baseball. And we're going to get into all this other stuff, uh, you know, in uh, in football, otherwise well known as American soccer. But until next time, folks, we will see you guys next week. Deuces, gooses.